0: Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. We hope to enrich your life through reaching, serving, giving, and building. As you listen to this teaching, be inspired to fulfill your God-given destiny through the power of His Word. Jesus, I need you. Amen. All right, now, I'm... I get the privilege of preaching on the Holy Spirit tonight. And to be honest with you, I've been looking forward to this because I love talking about the Holy Spirit. But you know what I need is I need the help of the Holy Spirit to help you. I can't do anything without Him, right? I mean, there's nothing. You just need to know this right now. There's nothing we can do worth eternal value without the Holy Spirit. Nothing. So we need to depend on Him. So I want to ask Him to help us tonight so that I can talk about Him. So, because... If you get to know him better, you get to know Jesus better, right? Amen? All right, Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. When you see the Spirit, when you know the Spirit, you know Jesus. Amen? So let's pray and let's really believe for that, okay? Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you again for this group of people. What an amazing group that's come out on a Sunday evening. Lord, I'm asking that you give them a double portion tonight. I'm asking, Holy Spirit of God, that you would help me. And as you do, may we go from glory to glory to glory. For I decree your kingdom's come, your will shall be done in this place on earth as it is in heaven. We give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. And it's the mighty and the wonderful and the majestic and holy and awesome, magnificent name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, Master, and Savior that we pray. And everybody that agrees, shouts! Come on, give him praise for what he's gonna do. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Ah, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. You know, I I just, um, I I was reading through my Bible a few years ago, and um, I'll never forget it. I was on a fast, and one of the things I do when I'm on a fast is I say, God, you know, pick a book of the Bible that you want me to journey through on this fast, and it was the book of Acts. And I remember as I was journeying through the book of Acts, literally scriptures were jumping up off the page at me, and all these scriptures dealt with how the early church spoke to interacted with talked about and depended on the holy spirit i realized that he was a vital part of their lives and he was like preeminent in everything they did and the more i read the more i realized a very sad realization and that is this what was common among them is not so common among the church today are you still with me The first thing that we gotta do when we talk about the Holy Spirit is we gotta establish, is he a person or is he just a divine influence that comes, that proceeds from the Father and Son, kind of like what we would refer to if we say the spirit of democracy or the spirit of generosity. Now, if you see him in that light, you'll make ridiculous statements. Statements like, I'm a Holy Ghost person or statements like, I want more of the Holy Ghost. But if you see him As a person, the third person of the Godhead, you will not make statements like I want more of the Holy Spirit. You'll make statements like this. How can I give myself more to him? I think where it really stems back is the way we view him. If if I had, in 30 years of ministry, if I had $1 for every time I've heard the Holy Spirit referred to as an it, I would be a very wealthy guy today. But if we would just simply look at the scriptures, we would realize he cannot be in it because scripture says he has a mind, a mind of his own. He has a will. He has emotions. He speaks. He comforts. In fact, he speaks clearly. He teaches. He can be grieved. He can be insulted just like any other person. He can be resisted. He can even be lied to. I think it really stems back to the way we've presented him. You know, um, I'm not from a you know evangelical or spirit filled background. I was actually raised Catholic, but you know, I've been in the church long enough to know that if a pastor or a Sunday school teacher is gonna speak on the Holy Spirit, you know, many times we put like BAM a picture of a dove up on the screen, you know? Or, or, Or or some kind of you know like matchbox fire on top of a guy's head. Now, can I say this? In all four gospels. It says that the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove. It doesn't say he's a bird. Okay, I mean, we would do this today. Like, have you ever heard somebody say, man, she runs like the wind. We're not, we're not trying to make her into wind, right? Yeah, but somebody says, but I thought, you know, in the, in the book of Revelations, John the Apostle saw the Holy Spirit and he was just like flames of fire at the throne of God. Well, that same apostle in that same book saw Jesus and called him a lamb. Jesus is not a four footed animal. So the Holy Spirit is a person. And when we realize this, it changes our life. If you look at the apostle Paul, he wrote to the church. And what I love is this is the Corinthian church that he loves so deeply and dearly. These are the final words he writes to them. And you got to understand, he's going to be really choosy on what he says. But look what he says. He says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now, when I hear the word communion, now I want you to just notice that. Look at the last statement there. The communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. When I hear the word communion as a former Catholic, You know what I think of? I think of when the priest used to put the wafer on my tongue and the wine I snuck as an altar boy after every mass. That is not the word communion here. The Greek word for communion here is the Greek word koinonia. Now, this Greek word has many definitions, but I've categorized them into three major categories of definitions. So the first definition of koinonia, the word communion, is this, fellowship. So what Paul is saying is, now I want you to listen to me. He's saying, may the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Now notice he doesn't say, may the fellowship of Jesus be with you. Why doesn't he say that? Because it's pretty hard to fellowship with somebody who's a few billion miles away. You see, when Jesus ascended into heaven, the angels told the apostles, the way he went is the way he's coming back. He went in the clouds and he hasn't come back in the clouds yet. When Stephen was stoned, he saw Jesus... at the right hand of the Father. He has been there ever since. The person of the Godhead who's been here for the last 2,000 years is the Holy Spirit. He's called the Spirit of Christ. Are you with me? Do you know what I have found? I have found that the person of the Godhead who is on earth is always the one who's misunderstood. If you look at God, the father, they didn't get him at Mount Sinai. If you look at Jesus, they said, Hey, we know God, who are you? The religious leaders of his day. And if you look at the Holy spirit, it has created more controversy talking about the Holy spirit in the church than anything else in our modern day. Are are you with me? The second definition would be partnership. Everybody say partnership. So what Paul is saying, I want you to listen to this. May the partnership of the Holy Spirit be with you. And the third definition is intimacy. And that's the one I love. Now I want to talk about each of these briefly tonight. First of all, fellowship. So Paul is saying here in 2 in Corinthians chapter 13, he's saying may the fellowship, now listen to this, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Now what does the word fellowship mean? The definition of the word fellowship is this. It means communion. It means sharing together. How many of you know that, you know, companions interact with one another? Are are, are you tracking with me? You, You understand what I'm talking about, right? Can you imagine if when Jeff Rents picked me up yesterday and he picked me up at the airport and we had about a 20 minute drive to the hotel, can you imagine if I wouldn't have said anything to him? Like I just sat in the car and he sat in the car. He saying anything to me and I didn't say anything to him for the whole 20 minutes of the hotel. Hotel. That, that would be rude on both of our parts, don't you think? I mean, you would never dream if you carpool or let's say you're gonna go down to a New Orleans Saints game with one of your friends. You pick them up, you got an hour and a half drive down there and you don't say one word to your friend the whole way down. Not like, hey... Pastor Mike was spot on today. I actually like him. I think his son's crazy. I like him preaching better than John. You know, you you, you talk about the game, how excited you are to see the first game of the season with Drew Brees. You know, he's going to be really good this year. You don't say anything the whole way down, an hour and a half. We would never dream of doing that with a person. Yet how many times do we get in the car and we drive 20 minutes and we don't say one word to the Holy Spirit? Now, why is that? See, if you back a Christian up into a corner, and you say, is the Holy Spirit a person? They go, oh yeah, yeah, he's a person. Yet we treat him like an it. Because we never treat a person like that. Sure it's quiet here in this Methodist church right now. You still with me? But you see, the early church wasn't like this. If you look at the Apostle Paul, he said in Acts chapter 20, verses 20 and 20, 22 and 23. Now look at, look at Paul's words here. He said, and now I am going to Jerusalem, drawn there irresistibly by the Holy Spirit, not by Jesus. Not knowing what awaits me, Except the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. Now, if we were making a movie about this today, I'm going to tell you what, what, I'm talking about a Christian company. You know, we got a lot of good movies coming out now, uh, you know, Christian movies. And they say, okay, we're going to make a movie of Paul's life, Right. We would probably put Paul in this, you know, little hotel room with a cot and a little desk and an oil lamp. And then we'd play this weird sci-fi music, like woo, and then you'd hear this voice: "Paul shall in suffering lie And Paul would be like, "Whoa!" That's not what happened. I want you to notice in city after city. Do you understand? This is an ongoing conversation. I'm sure Paul's protesting. Paul goes, what well, What do you mean jail and suffering? How am I supposed to? You're the one that told me that I'm going to preach the gospel all over the world. How am I supposed to do that in jail? And the Holy Spirit would probably say to him, Oh, Paul, but actually it's going to further your ministry because not only are you going to get to speak to soldiers, you'll get to speak to kings, to rulers, and even Caesar himself. Yeah, but I don't like this suffering part. Well, Paul, you know, hey, that's part of this territory. See, it's an ongoing conversation. If you look at the book of Acts, chapter 8, Philip is another guy. Philip's got this citywide revival going in a city called Samaria, right? Right? I mean, people are getting saved, they're getting delivered, they're getting healed. And right in the middle of this meeting, this conference, right? Look look what we read. An angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, arise and go to the desert. Now, I want to make this really clear. An angel does not appear to him. You will never find a translation that said an angel appeared to Philip. Now, there are other people the New Testament tells us that angels appeared to. An angel appeared to Mary, to Joseph. An angel appeared to uh, Zacharias, to, P- uh, to Peter, to John. I mean, angels appear to people all over the New Testament. An angel, I want you to look at that, does not appear to Philip. He spoke to Philip and he said, go to the desert. So Philip obeys and goes to the desert. A couple days later, he sees an Ethiopian chariot. And then we read three verses later, then the spirit said to Philip, go and overtake the chariot do you understand these guys knew the voice of the spirit so well they could differentiate his voice from an angel's voice now somebody says come on that's weird is it really weird i can be anywhere in the world i can call messenger international we have 30 employees and they'll answer the phone and go good morning messenger international i'll say hey good morning david or good morning, Justin, or good morning, Jessica. I know the voice of every single one of my 30 employees. Well, why do we think it's so strange? That they could tell the difference between the voice of the spirit and the voice of an angel. That's why I said what was common among them is not so common among us today. It sure is quiet here. Are you still with me? Koinonia means partnership. Everybody say Partnership. Now, how many of you know partners have to develop what I call an ebb and flow? Do you understand what I mean by that? I remember I I played varsity tennis at Purdue University, right? So I am a Big Ten boy. So, you know, I've got the platform now. Don't talk to me about SEC. (laughs) Although I'll probably get stoned if I start jabbing at you. But anyway, I I played varsity tennis at Purdue University. And uh, I remember, you know the way collegiate tennis works is you, play, you have six singles and you have three doubles. So they always join up the singles. Us singles, we always join up to make a doubles team. And I remember I was joined up with the number two singles player, right? And I remember our first couple of matches, oh my gosh, it was crazy. I mean, we were ridiculous. Balls were flying right between us at the net. I think he's getting it, he thinks I'm getting it. They'd lob and I'd, we'd just sit there and watch the ball go bang, bang, bang. bang. And I'd sit there and look at him go, I, I thought you were getting it, he thought I was getting it. But you know what happened is, we kept playing together and we started developing an ebb and flow. And we started playing like one man. And can I be honest with you? We won more doubles matches than singles. We were really good. Okay? That's the way it is with the Holy Spirit. I remember the first time I got up to preach, you know, right after Lisa and I got married, within the first five minutes of my message, she was sound asleep. <laughs> and her best friend sitting next to her I'm not kidding. This is a true story. I was in such deep sleep. Her name's Amy Store, that drool was coming out of the side of her mouth. So I don't think your son would have said that back then. Okay. And, 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 and I was terrible. But you see, now I get up and, and, and I speak to 10,000 people, 15,000 people, 20,000 people, and they don't go to sleep. I remember the first time God told me to write a book, it took me a whole year. And I, I mean, it really wasn't that good. But then now I just wrote my 19th book. And what, what happens now? I crank them out in a couple months because why? I've learned how to flow with my partner. Are you getting this? So this is what the apostle Paul means when he says in 1 Corinthians 3, 9, we are fellow workers for and with God. Now look at this. Not only do we work for God, not only do I work for God, I work with him. I really want you to notice that. We work together. That's what partners do. Are you seeing this? All right. You can see this in the book of Acts. Look at this. The apostles wrote this and they said, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Now, do you notice they, they make very clear that he had a point of view on this and they had a point of view and the point of views matched. So you see their representation as well as his. that's partnership. Are you seeing this? You know, this partnership is so important because I don't know about you, but do you like to work with partners who don't do anything? Either way. Well, let me tell you something. He expects us to be involved and he likes for us to include him. And I got news for you. When I started including him, I found out I can do things a whole lot better, way better than when I was putting my wife to sleep. And I developed that flow. Are you seeing this? Now, the partnership goes much, much deeper. It goes to close mutual association in our partnership. Everybody say close mutual association. What, what do I mean by close mutual association in regard to partnership? Okay, when I was in junior high, I could, you could say one word to me. Just one word. And I know what you're talking about. You could say Beatles. I know exactly what you're talking about. You're talking about Paul McCartney, John Lennon, Rango Starr, George Harrison. I know where they came from. I know the music they played. I could tell you a lot about them. You could look at me and say three stooges. That's Moe, Larry, and Curly. I mean, they later tried to get this guy Shemp in there. He was ridiculous. No, the stooges are Moe, Larry, and Curly. That's all you had to do is say stooges. And I knew because there was a close mutual association. Let me tell you something. Back in the 1980s, Dr. Cho, who at that time had the world's largest church, 750,000 members back in 1980, okay? Today, they only have have a million now today, but I remember he came into the United States and I had the privilege of hosting him twice, and I remember he flew in, and I I picked him up at the airport, and I remember when he flew in, he had like 20 businessmen traveling with him, and... um, I brought him to the hotel and the head business guy is a guy named Dr. Cha. And Dr. Chaw pulled me aside when we got to the hotel. He said, Mr. Bevere, are you the one driving Dr. Cho to the service tonight? And I said, yes, sir, I am. He said, you and I need to talk. So he pulled me over to the side and he, he sat me down. He said, Mr. Bevere, when you pick up Dr. Cho tonight, do not talk to him. Dr. Cho does not talk to people. When you drive from this hotel to the auditorium, do not talk to him. He does not talk to people. I said, yes, sir, I got it. I got it. So I remember I pulled up to the hotel that night and Dr. Cho, when they put him in the car, when he got in my car, God got in my car. It was the most amazing thing. And I remember I started weeping and I'm halfway to the auditorium at a traffic light. And I thought, I don't care what the guy said. I just turned over real quietly and said, Dr. Cho, God is in the car. And he looked at me and goes, I know. And that's all he said. Now, I'm so glad he didn't talk to me about it. Because later on, now don't get me wrong, later on I played golf with him, we went to restaurants together and he talked to me. But I'm so glad he didn't say anything because I started thinking about how much time he spends with the Holy Spirit. Are, 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 you, are you getting this yet? who who do you associate with people who ignore you people spend time with you i mean do you know why i like pastor mike and pastor rebecca and jeff and all these guys you want to know why because they actually like me i mean I, i go into my hotel room yesterday first of all it's the nicest hotel in the city secondly i walk in and there's gifts everywhere gifts Gifts for me, gifts for my wife, Lisa. There's food, there's art. I'm like, whoa. Then they take me to the nicest restaurants in town. And, and, and they really like being around me, right? Now compare that, true story, just a true story. I go to this church and they pick me up at the hotel and they put their hand out, like, give me your Bible. And I take, take, they, they take my Bible and we drive, to the, we drive to the auditorium and nobody is talking in the car. And then we get to the church And we get to the church, they put me in a room. Do you understand a room all by myself? Do you understand like this is what I used to do with my kids when they were in timeout? Are you tracking with me? And they leave me in this room for like 20 minutes. And I'm looking at at my phone and I'm like, oh my gosh, service started five minutes ago. And then a knock comes at the door and it's them again. They put out their hand like, and my entourage walks me down this real long hallway and nobody's talking, I feel like dead man walking. And finally, I get out to the auditorium and there's the pastor way over there. And it's the first time I've seen him. They introduce me, I get up, I preach to the 9,000 people, 40 minutes. I go back and then before the service is over, my entourage comes up and takes me back and puts me in the room. Do you understand? By myself, are you here tonight? Are you tracking with this? This is what you do with your kids when they're in timeout. And I'm like, do these guys even like me? Why did they even ask me? Now, I don't associate with that church. But I like to associate with you guys. Why? Because you actually like me. See, I think there are some churches the Holy Spirit goes to out of obligation. But then there are other churches that he goes to because they actually really like him. Now, the third word for koinonia, and I want to spend the most time on this one, is intimacy. Everybody say intimacy. What is intimacy? It's fellowship, but it's deeper fellowship. It goes down to the thoughts, the intents, the desire of the heart. If you look what Paul said to the Corinthians in the Message Bible, this is amazing. Look at this. Look up on the board. The intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Did you you just read what he wrote? The intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Do you understand he wants to be your intimate friend? Okay, that's mind-blowing to me. I said, that is mind-blowing to me. I mean, if you look at what James wrote, James said this. James said, now look at, look at this. The Spirit. Notice he identifies the Spirit. Look up on the board. Who dwells in us, yearns. Do you know what the word yearn means? It means to long for intensely and consistently. Okay, now listen to both of these. Intensely. When I think of God yearning for me, I think of what David says in Psalm 139. David said, Lord, when I consider the thoughts that you have about me personally, this is not the church collectively, me personally. He said, if I was able to number them, they would outnumber every grain of sand that's on this planet. Would you think about every grain of sand on this planet? Every beach, every desert, every golf course. That is a lot of sand. I mean, when I think about all the thoughts that I've had about my wife Lisa over the past 34 years, if I added them all up, I wouldn't get a shoebox full. And I'm doing really good. Because you know what scientists tell us? One cubic foot of beach, that's how much one cubic foot of beach is, that big, right? Has 1.8 billion grains of sand. All right, now, fishermen exaggerate. Thank you, somebody understood what I just said. Are you guys with me tonight? Are you thinking about the masters right now? I mean, okay. Fishermen exaggerate. You ever hear a fisherman go, dude, I caught a fish this big. (laughs) Or they hold the fish way out there, so on the iPhone it looks like it's massive. (laughs) I mean, that's exaggeration. And how many of you know exaggeration is a lie? Okay, how many of you know God can't lie? Because if God lies, he has to come under the father of lies, who's the devil, and that is never going to happen. So if God says, my thoughts about you outnumber every grain of sand that's on this planet... Do you understand how much he's thinking about you? How many of you know you don't think a lot about people you don't want to be close to? Now, see, James emphasized, he says, the spirit who dwells in us yearns. Now, you know what else yearns mean? It means to long for consistently. I mean, how many of you know human beings can be a little fickle? I mean, Lisa is the closest person to me on the earth. But I guarantee you, if I wake up Lisa at two o'clock in the morning, I guarantee you she's not yearning for me. But I have slipped out of bed at 2 o'clock in the morning. And he was wanting to talk to me. Now, notice he yearns, but he yearns what? Come on, say it with some conviction around here. Jealously. What does that mean? Well, let me put you this way. Do you think Lisa, my wife, would share with me the secrets, the desires, the intentions of her heart if I was committing adultery with other women? seriously that's a question do you not know the answer to that question you're supposed to say no so let's try this again let me tell you why i do this want to know why i teach this way because i've learned spectators never get anything see this is what we do we sit down and we say listen we're a sight and sound generation we're like turn on the screen and entertain me i'm not an entertainer i'm a man of god so my goal is to impart into you and i'm going to keep you participating Okay, so let's try this one more time. Another question. Do you think Lisa would share these secrets, desires, the intentions of, my, of her heart if I was jumping in bed with other girls? No. Oh my gosh, thank you. You're here. That is so good. I, I applaud you, all right? Okay, now. No way. Well, if you look at the previous verse, you know what James says? You're seeking a friendship with the world. You're an adulterer. And don't even think the Holy Spirit's going to share with you the secrets, the desires, the intentions of His heart. Now, what is the world? A lot of people really don't understand the world. The world is wanting, wanting, wanting. It's the gratification of the eyes. Excuse me, the, the, uh, the indulgence of the eyes, the gratification of the flesh, and the pride of life. What's pride of life? Status, reputation. Let me put it to you this way. If you want to be on this amazing worship team because you want the people of Healing Place to see you, don't expect to have any intimacy with the Holy Spirit. You're an adulterer. Is that clear enough? But now, if you want to be on this platform because you want to serve these people, then he's going to have intimacy with you. Good preaching, John. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, the message Bible makes it really clear. The message Bible says you're cheating on God if all you want is your way flirting with the world with every chance you get. I'm going ahead. <laughs> Now I want to go back to the partnership scripture. Back where I talked about where the the, the apostles um, made this statement. Now I want you to notice this. I want everybody to look at this board because this is amazing. Look what they said. They said it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. And then do you know what happens here? Let's, Let's look at the context. Then they write this five paragraph letter that we still have in our Bible today. Now I want you to notice what they do not write. Look up at that board. They do not write, the Holy Spirit spoke, and so do we. They said it seemed good. Do you understand that they were so intimate with him that he trusted them and allowed them to speak for him without him speaking? Okay, this will blow your mind if you really get this. A few years ago, Lisa and I were doing a big national conference in Canada, right? I spoke the first night. She spoke the second night. Second night, we're in worship, and it was powerful. Tears coming down Lisa's cheek. I was watching. And here comes the sound man walking around. He's got one of these countrymen mics that I've got on right here, right? I stopped him. I said, no, 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 no. It gets caught in her hair. She doesn't like that. Bring her a wireless handheld. He goes back and gets it. I was able to represent her without her ever speaking why because i know her so well see i can be in a room with lisa and she can give me one look and i can write three pages what she just said (laughs) now you'd be in that room and you couldn't write nothing want to know why you don't know her like i know her now 30 years ago when we first got married we were in a social setting one night she gave me one of those looks i said babe what you saying That was a bad night. Now, are you getting something out of this? You'll you'll see it in the Bible. Look at Paul. Paul says this. He says, but Paul did the same thing. But in my opinion, and I think I'm giving you counsel from God's spirit when I said this, God allowed him to represent. Still in the Bible. Now, let let me wrap it up with this. How many of you know to really... Have intimacy with somebody, you have to seek to learn the personality of the person you want to be intimate with. Anybody in here know that? Now I didn't know that for years. You know, when our kids, I showed you our boys, when when our boys were toddlers, (laughs) I wasn't doing a really good job of parenting, right? One day Lisa pulls me in the bedroom and she goes, Babe, you're not doing a really good job with them. I said, I know. What am I doing wrong? She said, Well, John you're treating them all exactly the same. They, they have four different personalities. Like with one son, he doesn't get it unless you hit him straight between the eyes. In other words, you cannot beat around the bush with him. Then I got another son, you got to come in the side door. You got to get him to think he thought about it. <laughs> so I started adjusting the way I spoke to my sons according to their personalities and I started getting somewhere. Oh, Whoa. Well, how many of you know men and women are the same way? Really? Seriously, are you just not talking again or do you really not know that men and women are different? So let me try that one more time because I gotta do something totally different if, if you don't know that men and women are different. How many of you know men and women are different? Okay, good, good. I just wanna make sure, all right? So let me give you an example of that. Two years ago, I won our club championship, right? It was a two day tournament on the first day I shot a 67. So I came home and all, all my boys and my wife were in the, you know, in the, all in the kitchen. They said, dad, how'd you do? I said, well, I shot a 67. They're like, my boys are like, whoa, that's amazing. How many shots are you ahead against the guy in second place? Oh, dad, this is great, man. you get a parking spot at the golf club. This is great, right? So my wife, when she hears that, you know what she said to me? She said, oh, honey, that's great. What did you and the guys you play with talk about? Now, do you see the difference between my boys and my wife? That's the difference. I mean, this is why Peter says, dwell with your wives with understanding, right? And if Peter really would have been thinking about it, he would have said, and you wives dwell with your husbands with understanding because we're different. Okay, so in John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus Refers to the Holy Spirit 19 times as he, him, and himself. However, if you go back to the Greek language, the original language our English manuscripts come from, you will find out something interesting. The Greeks have a gender neutral pronoun that we don't have in the English language. In other words, in the English language, I can say he, I can say she. If I say he, you know I'm talking about one guy, she, one girl. But we don't have a gender-neutral pronoun. Do you know the Greeks have a gender-neutral pronoun that can refer to either one guy or one girl? Do you know that is the pronoun Jesus used all 19 times in John 14, 15, and 16, talking about the Holy Spirit? Now, if you go back to the Hebrew writings, it's even more interesting, because you know, Hebrews were more into function, whereas Greeks were more into form. You know, Greeks loved their statues. If you look at the Hebrew writing in the Old Testament, it's a little bit more complex, so stay with me, all right? But the Hebrews, in order to make a pronoun or a noun, masculine or feminine, they would assign a male or a female, because they have genders in, okay, verb or adverb to that pronoun or noun. And that would make the pronoun or the noun masculine or feminine. You understand what I'm saying? Well, several occurrences in the Old Testament, the verb or the adverb that is used with the Holy Spirit is feminine. Did you hear what I just said? Feminine. Now, I am not saying the Holy Spirit is a female. Don't you dare walk out of here tonight and go, oh, John Bevere says the Holy Spirit's a goddess. Don't you do that. But what I am asking is this, who existed first, God or human beings? Thank you. I don't have to teach on that. Look at Genesis 1, So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them in his own image. So you know what that means? There has to be personality characteristics we ascribe as being effeminate that existed in God before human beings were created. Otherwise, females couldn't have been created in his image. And they were. So you've got God the Father. That's pretty obvious. He's not effeminate. You got God, the son. Wow, that one's pretty obvious too. Who's left? Who's left in the Godhead that can carry the personality characteristics we ascribe as being feminine? I submit to you tonight's the Holy Spirit. And I have proof. Sure is quiet here right now. (laughs) Ephesians 4.30 says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Notice it doesn't say don't grieve the father. It doesn't say don't grieve the son. It says don't grieve the spirit. The Greek word grieve there is the Greek word lupiti, which means deep sorrow and distress. It comes from the root word lupe, which means a pain that can only be experienced. Now look at this carefully between two people who deeply love each other. Can I give you an example of this? There have been times in the past where I have very wrongly spoken harshly to one of my sons. And 30 minutes later, this overwhelming conviction comes on me, Right? So I go back to my son and I look at my son and I say, I'm so sorry. What I said to you was right, but the way I said it was wrong, would you forgive me? And my sons are amazing. They'll go, Dad, come here. And they put their big arms because they're all bigger than me. And they go, we forgive you. I forgive you. And they'll just pat me on the back. And everything's great between me and my son. Two days later, Lisa looks at me and goes, I'm still mad at you for the way you spoke to our son two days ago. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, that's like water under the bridge. Now, what did I do? I deeply sorrowed her because I spoke harshly to a son she loves. Well, if you look at this scripture in context, read it in context. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say... Be helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. And he goes on to talk about rage, anger, and harsh words. We deeply grieve the Spirit the way my wife is deeply grieved when I speak harshly to one of our boys. When we speak harshly to one of his children. Let me give you another example. You can talk bad about me. You can even cuss me out to my face. I'll forgive you. You talk bad about my wife. You're in real trouble with me. I mean, big trouble. Look what Jesus says. Anyone who speaks a word against the son of man, that's Jesus. It will be forgiven. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him either in this age or the age to come. Do you understand that the father and the son Put a protective clause on the Holy Spirit. You speak speak evil against him, you'll never be forgiven. They don't put that clause on themselves. Not on the Father, not on the Son. They put it on him. Why? Because he's tender and sensitive. Much like women are tender and sensitive. Now, listen to me. I want every head up. I want everybody looking at me. I don't want you taking notes right now. Tenderness and sensitivity is not a weakness. It's actually a strength. If you look at the bombers in World War II, they were the powerhouse. But the bombers had to be protected by fighter planes. The tenderness and sensitivity of a woman is not a weakness. It's actually a strength. But it has to be protected. The tenderness and sensitivity, that's why the Bible says don't quench him. Don't grieve him. Don't insult him. This is the father speaking, saying, he's tender. He's not weak. He's sensitive. He's not weak. That's a strength. You Still with me? You still with me? Yeah. All right, I'll give you another one. I was in the state of Hawaii speaking for the governor's luncheon. <clears throat> or actually, it was the mayor's luncheon. And the governor's office was there. And I learned something on that trip. I found out in the state of Hawaii, they have a policy. The policy is this. If a child is molested or commits a crime, the first police officer on the scene has to be a female officer. Why? Because they've done studies. And they found out that juveniles respond better to a female officer than a male. I'll let you do your own study. When you were a kid and you fell and scraped your knee, did you run to mom or did you run to dad? Come on. Come on. Come on. Mom, why? She's the comforter of the family. Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as comforter four times. Wisdom is referred to as she. Eight times. In the book of Proverbs, he is the spirit of wisdom. Now, again, I am not saying the Holy Spirit is a female. What I am saying is that there has to be personality characteristics we ascribe as being feminine that existed in God before human beings were ever created because male and female were created in God's image. If there is a person in the Bible who reminds me of the Holy Spirit, it would have to be King David. If you look at King David, he was so powerful. He was the mightiest king on the battlefield of any of the kings of Israel. Nobody messed with him on the battlefield. But if you look at King David's interpersonal relationships, the guy is crying constantly. I mean, he talks about drinking his tears. I mean, do you know what he said to another man one time? He said, oh, Jonathan, your love to me was better than any of my wives. I mean, what guy talks like this? (laughs) So on the battlefield, he's mighty. In interpersonal relationships, he's very tender and sensitive. If you look at the Holy Spirit, he is the spirit of might. We thought he was macho Holy Spirit. No, he's actually tender and sensitive. You know, when God opened this up to me, and started revealing this to me. I remember Lisa and I were in Hawaii. We were sitting by a pool all day. We were on vacation. I looked at my wife. I said, I am not sharing this. Because I was like, I was freaking out. And then I said, wait a minute. I'd be doing the body of Christ a disservice if I don't share this. So I called a Jewish rabbi who was born again. And I said to them, I said, am I crazy? He said, oh, no, 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 no. I was like, okay, good. But... I remember when God, it really settled in me that this is truth. It answered questions that I had for years. And I'm gonna tell you one of the biggest questions that I answered. For 30 years of ministry, it's baffled me. But I, in 30 years of ministry, I've observed that women as a whole are more sensitive to the Holy Spirit than men. And it really used to bother me because I was like, God, what's up with this? Do you, do you like women better? I mean, I know I do, but you're not supposed to. (laughs) And then when the Lord opened my eyes to this, I realized women are much more sensitive because they are like him. We have to dwell with the Holy Spirit. We men have to dwell with him with understanding. But women are like him. I wrote a book for the body of Christ, and I called it the Holy Spirit, an introduction. And the reason I called it an introduction is because the church needs to be reintroduced to the Holy Spirit. Because I'm going to tell you why, and I want you to hear me out. After this fast, I I looked at my family. We were having dinner, and I said, you know, I think I'm supposed to write a book on the Holy Spirit. My kids freaked out. And now my kids are like early 20s, late teens. They freaked out. I said, whoa, 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 what's up? Why are you freaking out? I said, dad, don't you remember those churches we used to go to? And I started thinking back when my kids were toddlers, we'd go to these churches, right? Where my kids would lean into my wife's side so hard they'd almost bruise her side because they're trying to stay away from the man or the woman next to them that is (laughs) spirit-filled. That was acting really weird. And, And this really bothered me. So I went to Lord in prayer and I said, God, My kids, they got a valid point. And the Holy Spirit showed me something so quick. Nobody, nobody, nobody has ever yielded to the Holy Spirit more fully than Jesus. Yet kids jumped in his lap. Kids weren't leaning away trying to stay away from him. They jumped in his lap. I mean, mafia leaders invited him to their parties. Government officials sought him out. Listen, mafia leaders wouldn't invite those people that were weird, you know, uh, next to my son. So you know what I realized? Holy Spirit's not weird. It was the people that represented him. They would have been weird if they were playing tennis. They're just weird. And we encourage their weirdness. Are you with me? If Jesus waited 30 years, 30 years before embarking on the destiny that he came to earth for until he had the fullness of the partnership of the Holy Spirit. How much more do we need the fullness of the partnership of the Holy Spirit in the business world, in the medical field, in the educational field, in government, in ministry? We need the fellowship, the partnership, and intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Did you get something out of this tonight? Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org or give us a call at 225-753-2273.